And my manager calls me and tells me that the guy who booked me um, was not happy with me and that, um, you know, uh, and then he said to her, she's doing Jewish jokes. Like, oh, my God, I'm Jewish. Yeah. So um, it's like, you know, she's doing jokes about being a woman. I'm a woman. So uh, and I, and she's like talking about that, you know, legs. I have legs. I mean, it was just everything that I did was not right. Dystopia tonight. Hello. Hello there. Uh, you have way more credits than that, by the way. But I just ran through the. I was like, I, I could keep going, but it's you could keep going and then add all the crappy ones too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at some point on your resume, you have to just get rid of stuff because then they see how old you are. Oh my god, dude! I was that. Is that like a thing? Like, do they have to like? Do you have to like start? You're like, no, I'm brandy new. I just started in twenty. I know. Like my first writing job was on uh, Brotherly Love. You know. Mm. Um. So. Awesome. Yeah. I remember that show. Yeah, the Lawrence Bros. Yeah, that was a great one. Yeah. I remember, was, uh, was that the? It was the Ellen. The Ellen Show was the second ver. Uh, uh, the uh, second version. sitcom. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I actually kind of, I do really like that one almost. I, I mean, yeah, I didn't watch enough of the first one. Like I watched like the pivotal moments and like whatever, but I remember when that one, the second one came out hilarious. Yeah. It was a very, very funny show, but probably one of my least favorite gigs I've ever had in my life. Oh, really? Why? Wow. Because of Ellen. Oh, really? Oh, no, no, no. Let's get, <laughs> you don't have to worry about shit now. She's off the air. Let's get into it. Let's make oh, I, I, I've talked about it. I've talked about it. I, oh, I, really? I, I, I haven't really held back. We, we just, um, it was just a kind of a weird phenomena. Carol Liefer was one of the showrunners, who's a very good friend of mine. Right. And uh, Mitch Hurwitz, who did Arrested Development and a ton oh, yeah. of other great shows. So the two of them were running the show, and I knew them both. And, um, so I got hired, you know, pretty much based on a spec script that I wrote, but uh, that was a heavy influence, you know, being a friend of Carol's. Right. So um, I'd, I'd never met Ellen, you know, I, I've, mm. I was always a fan of her stand-up, didn't really know her personally. Um, and for some reason, she just did not like me. Wow. And I don't know why, but she was very rude to me. And um, yeah, we had, it, 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 it was really bad. It was really bad. So uh she just didn't respect writers. That was really kind of uh, really? a big issue. And 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 there were a couple of people on staff that were comedians too. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the biggest issue was that she never uh, was happy with so much of what we wrote. So she would um, trash table reads and uh, run throughs. Right. So we would have to stay really, really late and rewrite so much of the episode. So, like she would tank certain scenes to make it seem like it wasn't working just wow. so we had to write something new um so oh, i i stayed yeah. there at like six o'clock in the morning on many occasions so so what is i have a few questions here so what is when somebody does something like that when an actor does something like that what's the vibe in the writer's room afterward is it just get it fucking done or are you guys like like how do you guys get through not just up and leaving i mean obviously it's your job and you have to kind of stay and do it you but do. the morale's got to be shit 
Yeah, the morale wasn't great. And it was really a shame because it was a great, great group of writers. You know, I mean, mm. there was, you know, people on there that, you know, wrote on The Simpsons and, um, you know, Jeff Stilson. I don't know if you know Jeff, right? Comedian. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Jeff was one of the Osborne people. Mm. Um, I, you know, it was just, uh, you, you, you just had to suck it up, you know, un unless you wanted to quit. And yeah. um, I knew what I, I actually left. I, my, my, uh, my, uh, my deal basically um, was was coming up. I they they um, they re not not rehired me, but I got picked up for the back nine, and then uh, my uh, my contract was coming up again. And I just said to Carol and Mitch, "Don't even bother fighting for me because I really do not want to be here." Wow. And I had gotten I got the Osbournes actually. Um, oh, a friend of mine had worked on the show. I knew Jeff. And they needed one more um, segment producer mm -hmm. that was, they were looking for a comedian. And um, and I got the gig and I just went into their office. I went into Carol and Mitch's office and I said, uh, I, I have to go. It's just, I, I knew when I had to go <laughs> when we were doing a taping and um, we, there was a break. So I went out to have a cigarette, mm -hmm. smoked at the time. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and Ellen was a smoker. So she was standing like, like, I don't know, maybe five feet from me. Mm -hmm. And she didn't, she would never like make eye contact with me. It was like a really weird thing. And I, I came so close to telling her to fuck off <laughs> in between a break. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be the bigger person. I, you know, I didn't want her to know that she got under my skin. Sure. But what she did to me repeatedly, which was just, horrific and so disrespectful to a writer you know you have the writer's room right so you have this kind of like square of people sitting around and mm -hmm. um yeah. this is you know uh, uh monday morning um you you read through the new script and she would go around and say hello to everybody and so she would say hello to the person on the right of me ignore me and say hello to the person to the left of me oh my god and wow. she did that repeatedly and um and it was weird because like i didn't i didn't even know her right. so i don't know did i remind her of someone she didn't like was she pissed that um she didn't hire me i mean i maybe right. she not think i was a good comedian because i was still doing stand-up at the time like what was it about me that she decided to just be horrible and right and 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 wow. there were there were other people like you know sometimes she would be mean to Jeff. It's like she just picked people that she didn't want to be nice to um, during the the course the run of the show, and um, and I just left. And then I got the Osbournes, and that was like the best gig I've ever had in my life. I, I I'm always curious like what I, I have so many when it comes down to something like that. I always wonder, like, I have questions like one, like, did, does, does anybody get to say anything to that person? Is everybody too afraid because they're such a big star? Like, yeah. like I was like in my mind right now, I'm like, I wonder if Carol Eaver was ever like, what the fuck is oh, your she problem? Oh, oh, she did. Oh no, no. She never said it to Ellen, but she would say to me and Mitch would say to me, like, I'll never forget. I wrote, um, I wrote, uh, an episode. Oh no. I came up with a, with a story. Mm -hmm. And usually when you come up with a story, they'll give it to you to, to write. Mm -hmm. So um, Mitch came into my office and that's exactly what he said. He said, I just have to tell you that Ellen, no likey Sue Kalinsky. <laughs> 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 and I was like, uh, well, I kind of knew it because I was getting that vibe. And he said, 
I have a feeling that this is going to be a difficult week of writing with this wow. particular show. So I don't want to give it to you because I don't want any more negative with you and Ellen. And if she knows that you were the one who wrote the script, I'd rather not do it. He says, so I'll give you story credit and then we'll do something else with you. Wow. And, uh, and, and that's basically what happened. So I, I, the next time came around, I wrote the script. It was really great. It was fun. And it was, it was a very interesting time in my life because, um, I was one of two people that still smoked on the mm -hmm. staff and there were maybe, I don't know, 15, 15 people. Right. So whenever I would go out and have a cigarette, I, you know, it was one of those things when you're, when you're someone who's doing like a bad habit, you know, people would kind of, you know, people would judge you, you know, you'd always get that kind of look like, oh, you're going out to have a cigarette, you know? So, right. um, so I said to myself, okay, I had a writing partner on other shows before this, this was my first gig as a solo writer. So I said to myself, what if I quit smoking right when I have to go off and write my script? Because it will be the most difficult time to do it. But yeah. if I if I stop smoking now and and pull this off, I'll never smoke cigarettes again. Wow. And I wrote, you get two weeks to write the script. And I wrote it in a week. And I came back and everybody's like, oh, wow, well, you get, did it in a week. That's great. Um, everybody loved the script. Um, we did the table read, no compliment from her at all. And, you know, look, it, it goes through a, it goes through the writer's room. So not mm -hmm. everything, a lot of stuff, you know, changes sure, for the most yeah. part, you know, they gang write it. And, um, her girlfriend at the time, she was at the table read and mm -hmm. she came over to me and complimented me on the script and said, this is going to be a really fun week. And wow. it was probably one of the easier weeks we ever had. But it didn't matter. She just didn't like me, so it didn't. It didn't matter. That never resonated. So That's, it was like no acknowledgement was the oh, most you would get from her. Like just nothing. not negative. Never yeah, did. ambivalence not is almost worse than con confrontation and like just dickishness. When somebody doesn't even acknowledge your existence, you're like, oh, this is this is even worse. But I'll tell you, the greatest feat, the, the greatest, um, the greatest. Um, what am I trying to say here? Um, I, I got her really, really bad. This was, this was the greatest <laughs> payback. Um, Larry David, uh, I know Larry David forever. I mean, I started, mm -hmm. I knew Larry. So um, I got a kind of a surprise call to come and audition for Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, the, nice. the casting director, Allison Jones, uh, was a big fan of comedians. So she knew me and had seen me in the clubs or whatever. And um, so she, I got called in. And the only thing I hoped, even if I, if I didn't get it, I just didn't want to suck because it's all improv. Right. So I was working on, what was I? I was working on Newlyweds. So I was working at, M at, at this uh, place on, at where MTV happened to just house our show. And mm. I could walk to where, um, to where uh, the Curb Your Enthusiasm offices were. So mm. I, I leave, you know, all my coworkers and I said, I have this audition, you know, for Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I read, my scene is with Larry and they give you like, um, it looks like a fortune cookie um, fortune. And yeah. they, and it's just like basically the gist of what you have to do in the scene. Wow. So uh, I walk in and um, Jeff Garland was there. I think Susie Essman was there. Um, so there were like three people in the room that I knew really, really well. Mm -hmm. So that was comforting, but also nerve wracking because I didn't want to have a bad audition in front of them. Sure. Yeah. 
And Cheryl was, Cheryl Hines was there. And Larry was, you know, hey, you know, Sue, how you doing? Oh, you got married. Oh, I got, you know, how, 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 how do I not know you got married? Like, we, so we're having like all this conversation. <laughs> we do the scene and it, it was really fun and great. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, go back to work and uh, later that day, I got a call that I got it. And nice. my part, I played a lesbian who gets mm-hmm. into a fight with Larry. And <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell I, was, do you I remember? It, it was yeah, the yeah, both yeah. guy. Okay. <laughs> Yes. So, yeah. so um, Rosie O'Donnell was like the like leader of the lesbians, right? Mm-hmm. But Rosie, you know, she's like East Coast, and Ellen yeah. is kind of West Coast, right. you know. Yeah. So Larry had, uh, I guess he had, he said to Carol um, that he was thinking of uh, using Ellen in the episode, and she said, "No, no, no, you can't, you can't use Ellen." And he's like, "You know, how come?" And she said she was mean to Sue Kalinsky when we were writing on the show. And he was like, what? She was mean to Sue Kalinsky? What, are you kidding me? And he didn't He didn't hire her. And wow. he hired Rosie. And I found out that Curb was Ellen's favorite show. So oh, Carol, Carol said to me after the show aired, she said, you know, Ellen was probably having conniption fit because it's her favorite show. And she should have been the Rosie part. Right. And so... And then she sees you in it. <laughs> oh, oh my God. <laughs> Fucking peace to resistance. Oh, that is great. man. It was the greatest payback. So that is amazing. Which is a lesson to ever. Don't be shitty to people. Like, what yeah. the fuck? Like, especially in like in general, but also in this business. Like, I feel like it just does not ever, ever pay. Like, just I don't I don't get it. And you know what I want to like, you know, those millions of Diane Sawyer interviews or like anytime they have like a touching moment with like a celebrity figure. I just want one of them to be like, what the fuck is your problem? Like, <laughs> here's oh, yeah. a, here's a here's a laundry list. I don't want to hear about your struggles. We've heard about them. Why are you what, what is wrong with you? Fundamentally, it's like her. James Corden, I heard is um, I've heard from people who've written on a show, just a dick to his writers. It's people people in that position being shitty to writers. And I don't understand because they hold you up. So what is your fucking problem with the, with your staff? Like, and, and then you got guys like Conan who I've never heard a bad word about. And you can tell is collaborative and loves being collaborative. And, right. and, and you're like, well, there you go. There's a perfect model and that works and you don't have to be yeah. a dick to get perfection. So what's your problem? Yeah, yeah, and and you know, John, the 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 other added element for me was that we were both comics. Yeah, and you know, when you're crappy to another comic, I mean, we have we have been in the trenches together. You know, right. our profession is one of those professions where you know you just you pull for people, and mm-hmm. we know how hard it was to from the inception of standing online and picking a number out of a hat and, yeah. you know, and, and, and being in the, in the bar and like the humiliation of, I, I remember when I first auditioned at the improv, it was like 1979 or 1980. Mm. And I remember they didn't even say your name. They just said number eight. <laughs> I mean, Holy oh shit. God. Uh. So just knowing where we came from and how we had to claw our way and dealing with club owners and being on the road and just the life that we've led right. to, to be shitty to someone who went through that with you um, was, was really just so, uh, I don't know, just disheartening yeah. and, and, and uh, yeah. it's like, why, 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 you know, you're really going out of your way to be a jerk. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And and there's no like, you know, there's no excuse to not at least acknowledge it. It's not, or, or, or just like if you're a decent human being, I feel like if you're inadvertently shitty to somebody, you go like, holy fuck, I'm so, you know, I, I, I don't know why I was, you know, be be a big enough person to be like, hey, look, I was threatened by you. I don't know why it's from past. Like, at least at the very least, you could have both bonded over the fact that you, you you're women in comedy and maybe, you know, she has these PTSD floods of flashbacks, you know, I mean, I don't know if she does. I'm just making this up. But you know what I mean? Like, at least you could be the type of person to be like, hey, look, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. I had this competitive thing and and I took it out on you. But no, I've never it heard it to be something weird and deeper. Like you look like the girl that picked her on her in high school or turned her down. There had to be something weird that you. Yeah, but even but even then, like, you know, when people do that kind of shit and they're like of a certain age where I'm like, okay, but you're 40. So just relax. You know what I mean? You're like, how long are you going to carry that fucking shit with? You know, I get it, but also just don't be mean. That's fucking cruel. Um, that's great though. That's the best revenge story. Like that, that you got, that you've prevented her from getting a gig. Oh, that's so sweet. You think it would have made her be a little bit nicer, but apparently not. Yeah. I mean, I don't even, and I'm sure she doesn't even know. I mean, she doesn't know right. why, why she didn't get it, but yeah. But seeing you, but I would time. remind her if she ever, oh, yeah. if we ever were together. <laughs> hey, by the way, you piece of shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would do if I was seriously, if anybody, I mean, I, I've, I've done it. I'm not in any any crazy position or whatever, but I have gone up to people who were shitty to me when I was younger and just said it. And especially during the pandemic, by the way, I don't know if you felt this way too, but like just because everything was collapsing, anytime somebody was in my DMs or if I had anything going on, like whatever, and they were like, hey, what's going on? I'd be like, yeah, you fucking uh, were really rude to my manager one time for no particular reason. What was up with that? And they're like, oh, I don't, we, I, and I'm just like, no, I don't, I don't want to yeah. play those games. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Why? <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Yeah. When you, so I want to talk about the Osbournes too, because I like that you literally transitioned from a, a show you were having a hard time on to something awesome. But I want to go touch on the stand up stuff too. So you started in 79, you said, or 80, 1980? Yeah, I think it was like 79 or 80. I auditioned at the improv in New York. That's what was your, who was your, do you remember your class, like your group that you came up with? Um, I came up with, um, do you remember Schmock and Valley? They became yes. they became the funny boys. So Oh my god. First of all, Jim Valley, good friend, love Jim. And I think I just may have missed him in New York because I'm a piece of shit. Oh, that's right. Uh, he was there for Hiram's uh, birthday party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know I fucking suck. I don't know where I, I wasn't around. I'm an idiot. Uh anyway, but I love Jim has been super different. He's a great guy. So like Riser. Oh, nice. Leafer, um, Larry Miller, Jerry. Oh wow. um, you know, Kevin Pollack. Well, Kevin Pollack was was in San Francisco, but I, you know, I kind of met him a little bit later, mm. but he was kind of in my circle. Um, you know, guys like, like Kevin Nealon. Um, yeah. I mean, there was, was a woman named Abby Stein. She was my first friend in comedy. She, um, she, she passed away years ago, but she was one of the because um, there weren't a lot of women doing stand up really when right. I started. You know, that's not like, like the old time where I was in the 30s. Um, <laughs> Uh, but they really weren't um, right. like Su Susie Essman, Joy. Nice. Um, yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a pretty uh, powerful uh, group. Yeah, You guys you started with all monsters. They're like killers. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, I remember Carol telling me she got passed by riser at catch a rising star, but did, was the improv the same way back then too? Did somebody have to pass you? Well, silver, sil well, actually silver did. Oh, wow. Silver did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh-huh. And, you know, uh, when I first started, I was actually an impressionist. 
No way. I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. A lot of people don't. Um, <laughs> I, don't I don't tell a lot of people. But um, if you were around, you know, obviously during the beginning days of me. Yeah. So I did impressions for like, I don't know, maybe three or four years. And uh, my hook was because uh, I have a deep voice. I did a lot of impressions of guys. So I I did the wives of the hu of, of their husbands because they sounded just like oh their husbands. God. Right. That's so, so great. Awesome. It was uh, so hacky. But it got me into the improv <laughs> and uh, silver passed me. And I thought, you know, green comedian. Um, mm. I thought you had to do a different set every time you went on stage. Oh, my God. Wow. Me too. Yeah. You did, too. I did, too. When I first started, I had a, a solid five minutes. Um, went up and did it and it worked really well. And then I thought I'm going to do, they booked me for another gig and I went to go do that gig and I had new, new material. And they were like, Oh, you're not going to do like other comedians that were like, they're like, Oh, you're not going to do the same stuff that just worked. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to do this. No one fucking told me. Cause they were like, this is going to be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and, I was, and I went up and just like, like literally just ate it. And then yeah. I didn't quite understand why. And then I was like, Oh, okay. Like you really have to like, just keep your same shit but it also made me i think a little stronger do you feel like it made you stronger from like trying to keep up with having new shit and going out there no <laughs> <laughs> you know uh i you know i i, I I'm, I'm joking with you it, it definitely did because you know that's that's really you know that's that's what it's all about i mean you know mm. you gotta keep on you know doing new content you know right. i mean obviously you hone your act but you gotta keep on sprinkling in new stuff um, you know, you just yeah. can't, you know, you can't just, you know, be sedentary with it. You have to do that. Sure. Um, but I, I mean, I, I didn't know anybody. Um, the, the way I got to the improv, um, this is so crazy. My, my godmother actually, um, she had a neighbor who, uh, was an older woman who was a wardrobe mistress for films. And, wow. uh, my godmother had told her that, you know, I do impression. I've been doing impressions ever since I'm a little kid. Like, you know, I was doing John Kennedy, you know, when I was like five years old. So <laughs> Wait, tell me you have like home movies of you doing a five-year-old no, you doing I, John Kennedy. I wish I did. Oh, I wish I did. That'd be awesome. Um, so, so she told my godmother that there was a theater somewhere. Um, she told me, well, she told her about the improv. Mm -hmm. And um, I had done one other gig, not really a gig, but it was kind of, it was a theater that a friend of mine, um, he was an actor and uh, they were having like a variety night. So it was singers, dancers, it was like America's Got Talent kind of. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they said, you could do whatever you want, you know, if you, you know, you're doing your impressions or whatever. So I did that and someone came over to me and said, you should go to the improv. But I had already known about the improv through my uh, godmother's friend. So um yeah, so I, I uh I'm trying to think. I, I think I was like seventeen when I went. Um wow. my brothers, I have three older brothers and they came into the city with me. I was living in Long Island and they came out as kind of like my posse. And uh yeah, it was it was very cool. That's it was very great. exciting the first time to actually pass. That was very cool. Yeah, that is pretty sweet. And did you immediately like did you know about hanging out afterward at the club, building the relationship with comics, stuff like that, or did you like did it take some time? I didn't really, I didn't really stay with it. Um, okay. I, I just felt like, uh, I don't know. I just, I felt like maybe I wasn't really ready to be part of that, that scene. It, mm -hmm. it, you know, I was really young and, uh, I waited, uh, I waited, I waited some years, uh, maybe two, two, three years. Okay. And, uh, and then I went back and I, you know, I got in it at, uh, at Catch Rising Star. Nice. Um, but I wasn't getting, I just wasn't getting spots, you know, I just felt like, my 
stupid idea was, oh, let I'll go out to California and I'll get spots out there. And it was so much harder to get spots out there. Wow. So, you know, I worked, I worked as a legal secretary for like three years or four years, but the guy that I worked for was the coolest guy in the world. And he mm -hmm. knew that I had aspirations to be a comedian. So, um, he said to me, you know, if you get a gig, cause I, if I got a gig, I couldn't just quit my job because I needed to know that I was getting more gigs. It was like, well, one week of work, I couldn't quit my job. Sure. But he said to me, as long as you can uh, replace yourself with somebody, I just need a, I just need someone to sit there, answer phones, do some typing. You could, you can do whatever you want. Nice. And he was That's really, awesome. you know, the reason why I was able to really to pursue. So I, my first gig was at the Sacramento Laughs Unlimited. Oh wow! And uh, I was, you know, I was, you I know, the opening act. Is that around anymore? I don't know, but it, it was Unlimited. really, it was really great when it first oh, opened. So nice. I don't. I in don't San know. Francisco, that's got to be huge for you to go it was, to. It was in Sacramento. Oh, Sacramento. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, but still, that's still like fucking huge to go. You know, what's crazy. I feel like people don't talk enough about, um, you know, because I've had employers that done the, done the same thing. I've had employers that absolutely hated that I had any kind of life outside of the drudgery that was the part time job. But I, I had a few who were really, really nice and very, very kind and were like, same thing. If they knew I needed a weekend, if they knew I had a gig or whatever going on, man, they would just like look the other way and not give me shit about it. This guy, I'm still friends with him. Nice. He was, he was, uh, I guess around six years older than me. He was very, very funny. When I, when I got the job, I actually looked for a waitress job when I first went out to LA because I thought it would be the most flexible. Sure. And I couldn't get a waitress job. So I was like, <laughs> how can I not get a waitress job? So I looked in the, um, in the classifieds in the LA time and there was a uh, job and <laughs> he wrote crazy lawyer looking for crazy secretary, flexible, flexible hours. Um, so I called him. I went in for an interview. He was like a really good looking guy. Very funny. Very cool. Nice. Um, and then I didn't hear from him. So I was like, oh, man, I had like the best interview. So I called him the following Monday, I guess it was. And uh, he said, oh, you got the job. <laughs> I said, oh, you're keeping it a secret? Were you, were you not going to tell me? So uh, he said, uh, come in tomorrow. No, take the day off. Don't come in tomorrow. Come in the next day. And that was the beginning of, it's like, you know, Casablanca, like one of the most incredible relationships I've had in my life. Wow. Um, I, you know, awesome. it was just great. And, and, uh, you know, he was a big pot smoker and, you know, <laughs> we would smoke pot all the time and he would always <laughs> let me take off. And one thing that I remember, because I never had like a civilian job where I felt like I was totally respected. Like I was always like, um, you, you were always kind of like, uh, you always had to do things that, that, that you just felt like weren't really your job. Mm -hmm. Like pick up someone's dry cleaning or, you know, do things that it was like, well, you didn't hire me to be like a gopher. You hired me to be a legal secretary. Right, right. Yeah. And he never, it was, there was never anything demeaning. Like he never talked down to me. Like when clients were in his office, he always treated me like an equal. Nice. And um, yeah, so I've been friends with this guy. God, like 40 years. Did he come out to see you? Um. Yeah, he yeah, he was very, very supportive. And the woman that he had been dating became his wife. Oh. So, you know, I, you know, his kids, I mean, everything. His kids have kids now. Um, and then I was telling you, you know, when we were before we came on on the show, um, Carol Montgomery, 
Mm-hmm. Actually, it was Wendy Liebman that actually um, this this is this is a great story. So Wendy Liebman, out of nowhere, um, sent me an email and said, uh, "I you know I, you really really need to do stand up again." And she would like because I she was she hosted a a, a room in, uh, in in oh in L A for a while. Homegrown. Oh yeah, homegrown. Yeah. So, um, great, you know, so I would, I, it's a great room. So I would go there and, you know, just see comedians, whatever. And, and, um, she came over to me one day and she said, uh, you really need to get back on stage. And I hadn't done stand up in like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I said, thank you. She says, Oh, you know, you were so good. It's just, you know, it's, I, she said, yeah, I, I just can't believe that you don't do it anymore. And I said, you know, it's just not my life anymore. You know, I became a writer. I started working on all these, you know, reality type of shows and the hours. And I just said, you know, it's just not my life. Right. Um, I left stand up because I didn't want to be on the road as much as I had been on the road. I didn't want that life anymore. I was mm-hmm. in a relationship with somebody and I was away all the time. So I started writing and, uh, and I loved it. And I, and I, you know, even like acting, you know, I, I just, it was something that I just said, you know, if it, if something happens and someone surprises me and says, Hey, you want to, you know, act in this or that. But I stopped pursuing it and it felt so good. So anyway, cut to Wendy, you know, saying you got to do it. So I said, I thank you, but I'm not going to. So she sends me an email and she said, "Um, here are four dates. Pick one. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy, I don't want to do it. So I I finally I, I picked the latest date that I could possibly possibly do it. So it was December 27th. And at the time, I think it was maybe. April. And I'll tell you, John, every day I was nervous that I had to do stand up in like six months. So, and I kept on thinking, I'm going to cancel. I'm going to cancel. So, Mm -hmm. but I'll just wait. So at that time, my husband's uh, entire family lives in Florida and we would always go to Florida for Christmas. So um, my husband's birthday is on the 26th. And that was the day we were planning on coming home. And the date of the gig was the 27th. Mm-hmm. So we had to um, we had to change planes, and of course the weather was horrible. So um, we get stuck in Chicago, oh. and uh, my husband said, "Because I was just like freaking out, I had so much anxiety about doing stand up." Right. And, uh, I and he said, "Well, you know, maybe you know we won't be able to get home, and then you won't have to do it." And I said, <laughs> "Yes." <laughs> so we end up they we they end up. Uh, being we we end up flying to St. Louis hmm. and uh we have to stay overnight and then we're able to get to LA in time for me to do the gig. Oh but I'm still God. thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna cancel like two days right. before. But that night in our hotel room, we turn on some local talk show mm-hmm. and Judd Apatow is the guest. Wow. And the question that was asked to him was, What do you miss the most about stand-up? And he said, hanging out, just hanging out in clubs, the camaraderie with other comedians, writing jokes on napkins and matchbook covers. And and it just brought back all the things that I missed so much about doing stand-up. And wow. I looked at my husband and I said, I'm not going to cancel. I'm going to do uh, it. And, uh, and I had written some well, new jokes, you know. Yeah. And I, I went on at Fatello's and it was really fun. Mm-hmm. And then Carol was doing her, um, this before it became the big, you know, yeah. success that it is now. Right. She was doing women of a certain age at this, um, really cool theater in Santa, in Venice. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was kind of like a intimate, kind of like a comedy cellar, you know, kind of feel to it. Small, yeah. Small yeah. room. And um, and I went to one of the shows and she came up to me and she said, uh, would you like to do our next show? Um, and it was, I don't know, maybe like four months away. And I said, uh, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I can do this. And she said, please do it. I, I really want you to do it. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And that show, that was one of those shows where I kind of couldn't believe that I didn't do stand-up anymore because it was that good. Wow. It was just awesome. magical. And um, and then I kind of did it a little bit after that, but I just, I just, I knew I wasn't going to put the time in. Right. And you know, yeah. you have to, you, you can't just be a seasonal comedian. You can't just do it sporadically. Right. You have to write, you have to perform. I was forgetting my act and, and I just, I just wasn't committed to do it because I, I, my life was, you know, doing other things that, that was really my, my livelihood was producing. Yeah. So uh-huh. So and it is a headspace that you're in. You got you you start to think a certain way when you're doing it all the time too. So that's why you, that's how you create. You know, I don't have to tell you that, but you know what I mean. Like that's the thing that you're when you're not when you're doing it every now and again, you're holding on to stuff that you know works and and falling back on other shit. But you're not necessarily in the headspace or the brain space to be like, you know, banging it out every night. Right. Right. And that's yeah. cool that that um, Vitello's is a great play. I mean, if you're going to go back up anywhere and start it again, one of Wendy's shows, that's the best. The greatest audiences. I yeah. mean, they're just so. I, I hate to say forgiving because that that's not really that's not really what what I, <laughs> I mean, know you mean but, though. But but they just uh, you know they're real comedy fans. Yeah, and they're very very supportive. And um, I, I mean, I don't think any audience is really an easy audience, but mm-hmm. they really really got it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and a lot of uh, repeat customers, and uh, and she just created such an amazing vibe. I mean, her her emceeing is so brilliant. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, yeah. So um, when I was there, I was amazed. Like the the people that were just in the audience, I can't even. It was like, I think it was. God, I think when I was there, it was like somebody from the Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and like you know, they're just they're just popping up, standing up for like two seconds and waving, and I was like, what the. What is going on? <laughs> I know. Well, well, her husband, Jeff Sherman, you know, yep. he is friends with so you know, he was friends with like the monkeys, you know, Mike. I know, Nesmith isn't that crazy? And, wow. and, and he's really good friends with Mickey Dolans and yeah. Uh, and uh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nancy Allen, you know, the actress would always be there and uh, right. you know, like news newsmen, you know, those people oh, like yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think one of my uh the, the most jealous I am of his friendship is probably with Dick Van Dyke or just oh. knowing any anybody that gets to get remotely close. I'll stand out on his front lawn and yell. I don't care at this point. I just want to I just want to see him through a window. Um something anything like that would be nice. You know, I tell you, it's it's probably one of the coolest things that I could take away from stand up. It's like the 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 people that I knew as kids that came into my life. Like I opened for Rosemary Clooney one week. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. And um, this was crazy. So I get this gig. Um, we had the same agent. So they do this package thing. Oh, and wow. I was so not, I was so not the right comedian to be opening for her. It was like, <laughs> just like a, a, a very, very old audience. It was in a provincial part of, of, of Massachusetts. It was a theater in the round. It was like everything wow. that could go wrong went wrong the first night. Mm-hmm. And um, the guy who booked the room, and I, I didn't get to meet Rosemary the first night because this was at a time in her career where 
Um, she had like CPOD. She, you know, she just, uh, she had to take breaks. She couldn't, she couldn't do like one complete set. So mm -hmm. uh, the yeah. comedian would go on. No, she would, she would go on first and then I would go on in between and then she would come and do her second set. Right. So I didn't get Got to it. meet her the first night. And um, I guess I had to do like half an hour and I really struggled. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I had done, you know, jokes about being Jewish and whatever. And I was like getting nothing. Like nobody <laughs> was like, just, they couldn't relate to me at all. Right. So, so I was, you know, I was upset and I was like, uh, I, there's no way in the world I can stay here. And I go back to my hotel room and my manager calls me and tells me that the guy who booked me um, was not happy with me and that, um, you know, uh, and then he said to her, she's doing Jewish jokes. I mean, he was like, oh my God, I'm Jewish. Well, yeah. So um, it's like, you know, she's doing jokes about being a woman. I'm a woman. So, uh, and I, you know, she's like talking about that, you know, legs. I have legs. I mean, it was just everything that I did was like not right. So I, uh, I said to my manager, you have to get me out of here. I, I, I can't stay here. It was a weak gig. Right. And then there was like two shows on Sunday and it was like an afternoon show. I was like, Holy shit. I, I swear. I said, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. Do, do not keep me here. She said, okay, I talked to the guy. He's going to cut your set to 20 minutes. I told him you wouldn't do any Jewish material <laughs> and uh, just, just see what happens tomorrow night. And if it's terrible, I'll pull you and you'll come home. Wow. So the next night I'm waiting in my dressing room. It's like dressing room. It was like a closet. <laughs> And uh, Rosemary comes in and introduces herself. And she said, um, I heard you want to leave. And I said, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of a rough night last night. She said, I really don't want you to leave. She said, you're very, very funny. And wow. I, she said, you're smart. And uh, I mean, it was crazy. She was like, like using me and Dennis Miller's name in the same sentence, which was like, oh God, Rosemary, you know what right. are you thinking? <laughs> but she, uh, <laughs> But she, but she was so complimentary and she said, please don't leave. I really want you to stay. So the next night was better. Yeah. And then the night after that was even better. And then um, I ended up going out to dinner with her a couple of nights and just and like hanging out with her, wow. with her, her boyfriend, this guy Dante, who was a really cool guy. And uh, she just, she just told stories like all these great, like she's telling me the story about when she was married to Jose Ferrar, they used to take these trips and they would go on barges. And she said, uh, back in the day, that was like a really popular thing. And you'd have a chef and, and uh, we'd go with like Boris Karloff and his wife. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, you were friends with Boris Karloff. <laughs> you oh know? my God. And she said, oh yeah, we were, we were great friends. And I said, what was he like? She said, oh God, he was very, very funny. <laughs> I just knew him from being like monsters, you yeah. know, and, you know, and he'd like ghoulish. Yeah. And so, and then, you know, she talked a bit about being friends with Bob Hope and her relationship with Bob Hope. And, and then um, when we got back to LA, um, she gave me her phone number and, uh, and she said, you know, call me and we'll have lunch. And, um, and I, I called her and then she wrote me a really, which, which I actually have framed a really beautiful card saying like, you know, sweet Sue, um, I'm so great to hear from you. Um, you know, I'm going to Florida, you know, for a couple of months, but when I get back, we're going to get together. And then soon after she passed away. So I didn't. Oh, oh man. But I mean, like stuff like that, you yeah. know, like, I mean, uh, do you have comedians that you worked with like older comedians? Oh yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I was going to say, that's the kind of stuff that I don't think people realize. Maybe, I don't even know, other performers must know it because people must have done it for them. But it just carries you like farther, like for, you just ride on that fuel and those compliments and just that that great experience for a, for a long time. It gets you through a lot of shitty gigs. It gets you through a lot of like self-doubt because you're like, you know who likes me though? <laughs> Rose yeah. Clooney. <laughs> yeah. 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 I had, you know, I mean, I had a lot of guys in the beginning, you know, who just were really, really nice to me. And, and, uh, and, you know, actually Carol, you know, Carol's one of them when I was a kid, I started doing stand up when I was 20. I know you started when you were 17. I always think, do you ever, I always feel like I should have started younger and everyone's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things, but I'm like 20, like it never seems like early enough, but oh, um, 20, 20 was young. Yeah, twenty's young. It's not bad. And then I'm like, but when I hear somebody who's like, I started at seventeen, I was like, damn it. Well, look at Rodney Dangerfield started at forty five. I know, yeah. isn't that crazy? Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, like I've had a lot of those kind of people who are really nice to me. My first, the guy that I first opened for, my first national headliner was Jimmy Fallon, and mm. I got to do five days with him. And five days, like, and I was working like a, a part time job. I obviously hated at the time, and I was still. It was. Um, like, I think I was only three years, three or four years into comedy. And uh, Harlan and Arlene from Bananas Comedy Club were like, mm -hmm. do you want to open for Jimmy Fallon? And I was like, do I want to? Are you crazy? And they were really <laughs> nice to me then. So I got to open for him. I got to meet his family. I got to meet yeah. his sister. You know, his mom and dad were there. His sister was there. Um, and then he was just always the, the nicest dude, very complimentary after my set. And I, I think you can probably tell I was a little like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, whatever. But his audience was super nice. And then his family came out and was like, you were great. That, that was so much fun, blah, blah, blah. They took pictures with me afterward. And I was like, didn't matter what anybody said to me after that. I was on a bit of a high for a, a while after that. And it's just nice to have it. And then I went and got a VIP thing to go see him uh, at the show at NBC. Because it was right before he took over for Conan. Mm. And he was doing this Q&A with the audience. And he kept like, uh, like he came up the aisle that I was sitting in. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to say anything. So I was just sitting there. And then he kept looking at me and then he kept looking at me again. And then he was like, I don't know what's I it's like, I know your face. And then I was like, oh, well, I got to open for you when I was like a, a younger comic or whatever. And he's like, oh, my God. And I had like a photo and he's like, yeah, I remember bananas. Like, oh, and he just ignored everybody else and started like talking to me. <laughs> and he was like, where are you going? Are you go like, you got to be on the road. I was like, oh, I'm going to I'm doing college gigs. I'm, I'm doing I was like still like maybe late 20s. But I'm like, yeah, I'm doing a Thomas College in Maine. He goes, whoa. That's a rough, that's a rough, <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck Jimmy. Come on, man. <laughs> I was like, I'm not I'm first time there, but yeah, he was just great. So stuff like that always made me super happy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, you know, I let like Leno was, was a, was one of those comics, you know, when I was coming up that I got to know quite a bit and he was the one who actually told me to stop doing my impressions. Oh, really? Wow. He said, just, just be yourself. Just, just, do you, you know, wow. and, 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 and I, I actually was kind of feeling that, you mm -hmm. know, because I would watch comics who would just talk about their lives and it was personal and they had a point of view and I didn't, yeah. I, I just was telling, you know, just doing impressions and doing jokes that had nothing to do with me. Yeah, and, yeah. and I, I really, I didn't want to do that anymore. So. And you could probably see you were funny just outside of that kind of thing, just talking exactly. to people. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. You know who else was really nice to me, oddly enough? Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if I had this sweet story. I was like, she took me out. 
um, <laughs> begged me to write for her. Uh, she paid. She paid my rent. Yeah, she, yeah. I don't know what it is. Gas money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gas money. That's so important, though. Uh, Cab fare. <laughs> yeah, whatever I needed. Just a real sweetheart. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I love. You know, I I met. Um, I got to meet. Um, well, I got to do an interview with Paul Reiser, but it was just a print interview because um, I it, like, I, you know, he's got his um, like team and everything like that. So I don't mm -hmm. know that they, you know, they knew necessarily what this was. And I was like, oh, but I've had so and so like Robert Klein. And I was kind of like trying to but they're also 20. So or 22, you know, so they don't fucking, you know, I'm like Robert Klein. And they're like, that's definitely a name. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm like Stuart, you know, like trying to get whatever. So they didn't, but they, they, you know, I, I was nice enough to get to talk to him on the phone. It's supposed to be like a quick interview. We wound up talking for like an hour and a half on the phone to the point where his wife was like, "Are you still on with that?" And he was like, "Yeah, we're having a good We're talking." And then he, so we're we're having a good time. And then he's like, "Come and hang out, like afterward." Oh, and that's wow. something that's like, you know, again, it's just it's it's just it's really really nice. And I and I appreciate it anytime somebody who's you know, way up there and has a shit ton more experience than I do is like, you're okay. And I'm like, I am okay. <laughs> yeah, so dumb, yeah, but... yeah. Well, Robert Klein, you know, I just met him recently. I met him this year because oh, wow. I've been, I've been working on a, a documentary. I've actually worked on a documentary about Silver Friedman who oh, owned the nice. improv. Here. Yeah, yeah. So I only met um, her once. I, I it was I only got to do the imp uh, but I I don't know her. But I, I all everybody's like I'm kind of like gathering stories from like little bits and pieces. So a documentary would be fucking phenomenal yeah you know i mean she uh she was really the one who uh there would be no improv without silver friedman and bud gets all the credit unfortunately See, i did not i did not yeah. know that because she was uh you know she was a a broadway showgirl you know and she was oh, like, wow. you know singer and dancer and she you know she was in how to succeed in business without really trying with uh robert moore she was an understudy but Holy she did shit. get she get, did get to you know be on broadway right. and when she right. met bud you know, he was, uh, I think he was like an ad guy, you know, he was a, he was a businessman mm -hmm. and uh, he knew nothing about show business. And it was really her idea to open a room for her Broadway show friends, because a lot of the restaurants um, and clubs in the Broadway district were pricey. Mm -hmm. So she and her friends couldn't afford to go to Ciro's and places like that. Sure. So, yeah they opened up this like coffee house and um, and she came up with the name mm -hmm. and uh, it was basically her idea. And look, she probably wouldn't have done it without Bud. Like they probably wouldn't have done it without yeah. each other, right. but he certainly would never have done it without her. So, you know, we wow. just want to put her on the map and, you know, yeah, it kind of makes me angry that I did not know that this entire. I'm a, I like I'm a huge comedy nerd, and I've got all these books and stuff like that. And I did not know that she was that instrumental in uh, creating the improv. Yeah, well, you you look up her name; she's basically you know his wife, his ex. -wife. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. that is wild. Uh, right. Sorry, I interrupted you. You were saying something about Robert. Oh, so, Klein. so Robert Klein. So we we went to Robert Klein's house to interview him for the documentary. Nice. And um, I had met him a long time ago. He did a show called um, Stand Up Sit Down. Oh yeah, you yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they filmed in uh, Orlando, mm -hmm. Disney World. And um, so I, I don't know if you, you know, the, the premise of the show was that mm -hmm. you would do your set and then you would sit down with him and he did an interview with you. Yep. Um, so it was such a long time ago. And, and uh, so I, I, basically I walked into his house and within like a minute of knowing him, he started calling me Kalinsky. 
And I was like, <laughs> oh, I love you so much. I mean, it was just so warm. And it was like, you're, you're going to be my friend now. You yep. know, and, yep. and, and we ended up, you know, texting one another and he came on my podcast and we nice. had such a great time together. But it's it's something like that. I mean, yep. it's the antithesis of Ellen. Yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. And here he is. <laughs> but that's know? a good point. It yeah. is. It's like, how the hell are these other like what in the holy hell happened in her life that she's like, you just can't do something like that. I yeah. when I had him on, we hit it off. I got to go uh, see him, you know, do a show and everything. I had to talk to him backstage and stuff. And then, you know, we had each other's numbers. So mm -hmm. I was doing this uh, red carpet gig in New York uh, at the Swedish consulate. And I we were supposed to meet up or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be in the city. I get a phone call or I, I give him a call or whatever. And he picks up the phone immediately and same thing. He goes, Poveromo. <laughs> <Just like, laughs> I'm like, what's going on, man? And I, I'm like, he's like, oh, I can't. Like we had a <clears throat> reschedule. But he goes, um, he goes, what are you what are you doing in New York again? And I go, I'm doing a um a red carpet gig at the Swedish consulate for the music industry. And he goes, because when I think of the music industry, <laughs> I think of the Swedish. <laughs> and then he just, I'm sitting on a stoop outside of somebody's fucking building in New York, and he's just doing like 20 minutes on the whole thing. And I was like, oh my god, he's so great. Oh, he's such nice a class man. act. Such yeah, a class act. Absolutely. It's so so when Leno told you to not do the the um impressions though. Like, was it an easy transition for you to go into stand-up or were you trepidatious about it? Um, it was it was a little difficult because I like had to like write stuff about myself and right. but but I, I did I did have great resources, you know. I you know, I grew up, I'm the youngest of five, you know. Mm -hmm. Um so I definitely did have access to a lot of material, you know, uh, and Getting on stage, I remember the. I, I, I don't even know if I remember the first time I went on stage and just did stand up, but um, it wasn't. It wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be, but it. It, I, it was just liberating. Actually, nice. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. That's got to be like yeah. a, a great feeling. To just be like, oh my god, it's just me, and I'm funny, and I'm not relying on like a character or whatever. Not that that's not a great art. I mean, if you can do impressions, that's fucking sick. And I need to know: Do you still do impressions here and there at home? Do they still leak out on occasion? Every now and then I may do Johnny Carson just like oh, joking. Nice. <laughs> you know. But um my my podcast partner is always trying to get me to to do something, you know. <laughs> That's the perfect venue though to do it. If you're gonna do a little Carson, just do a little podcast, <laughs> nobody knows. Are you are you one of the uh like comics of that generation who like revered Carson? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean I I remember my parents watching the Tonight Show, and we had uh, a, a three-level house, so the all the kids' bedroom, all the all the bedrooms were upstairs, except for mm. my oldest brother who had the cool downstairs bedroom with like his own bathroom, and he had access to the outside. That was like that was right. the that was the bedroom we all aspired to. <laughs> left, you know, like who's gonna get Alan's room? Oh, and that's um, great. so my parents, I remember my parents. Uh, watching the Tonight Show, and I would be by the banister um, in uh, like earshot of of the TV, mm -hmm. and um, I remember like Alan King, who was really my introduction into oh loving love Alan King, just loving stand up because he talked about everything that I could relate to. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just growing up Jewish and all the you know. It sounds like such a stereotypical thing, but like, you know, with, with like, you know, turning uh, the air conditioner up, turning the air conditioner <laughs> down, you know, you know, yeah. you're going to eat that. Is that what you're wearing? You know, just, <laughs> just 
all the things that I grew up with. And mm. um, yeah, so, um, so, and they never knew. I mean, I would just sneak down, listen to as much as I could. And yeah. then if I heard like a rustling, like maybe they were getting up to like, to come in my direction to go into the kitchen to get something, I'd go upstairs. Right. <laughs> um, but yes, Johnny Carson was the king. Yeah. And and yeah. also, you know, I, I grew up, you know, I, I watched the Ed Sullivan show. Oh, so, I don't yeah. get that guy. Yeah. I mean, I understand. I'm, I'm not even like, I I, <laughs> I know. Listen, I, I mean, like, I fundamentally, I get it. I've, I've got all the, you know, I get it. But like, you know, MeTV plays the reruns all the time. And every right. now and again, I see him and I'm like, how the fuck was this guy like pot? Like, I, know. I don't know. I and don't get was, it. And he was so powerful. Yeah, totally. Know? Seemed um, like a nice enough guy, but what a fucking weirdo. Like, yeah, what? Like, I total, just, in, in every sense, I mean, he was a weird looking guy. And, yeah. You know, and now you know, and here you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Paul Provenza actually did such a funny impression of Ed Sullivan because he would always like, do this with his with his arms and he oh yeah yeah and he would be so right now and here you know and who's coming up and and it's like it was like his arms were like gumby like wrapping around his body um but you know to get on the ed sullivan show was yeah. like oh man you you really made it right yeah i mean there were three channels if exactly. that <laughs> so like this was it this i'd kill for it. three channels that'd be nice yeah. i don't i don't even understand there's too much shit going on right now especially with like just the Twitter stuff and Elon's taking over and who's going to do what to, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, well, even, well, even with shows like, you know, there's not a day that goes by that someone says to me, have you seen this? And I was like, oh, yeah. no, what is that? Right. Have you seen that? It's like 50 shows that I've yeah. never heard of. And I they're mean, why, like, be? yeah. And they're like wildly popular with people. Like they're like, oh, it's critically acclaimed by who, who the fuck? I know. Like and then they'll look at me like, what, like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. You haven't seen that? And I was like, no, I don't even know what it is. I, you know, and you always sound like the old timer, but you know, <laughs> the idea of watching a talk show. Yeah. Cause you grew up watching Johnny and you yeah. basically knew most of the people that were on, like right. they didn't have to like do a lower third. And tell you who the person was and what they were on, you know. And so now true. it's like, who is this? Yep. I, I know. Yeah. And it's not only just TV. Like you were talking about all the social media. So you have like people who are famous from TikTok and people who yeah. are famous just from Twitter. And it's like they're Twitter stars. And yeah, it's like all right, you know, Crazy. great. You know, I mean, great for them. I'm, I mean, I I look back at when when my comedian friends we used to make videos but we had no outlet you know it's like we made them for ourselves right um yeah. you think like oh god like if we only could have taken these mm -hmm. and showed them to people yeah. you know like yeah. it would have been pretty cool but yeah. we just shared it with you know because like the improv um they used to do christmas uh we used to do christmas videos and wow. i think the comic strip maybe maybe did them too i don't think catch ever did them Right. But they were like heavily produced. We when when we found out that the improv was going to be closing, um, Michael Patrick King mm -hmm. from Sex in the City, Sex who was end. comedian, yep, back, back in the day, he took um, uh, "It's a Wonderful Life" and incorporate and we and dubbed all of uh -huh, the awesome. voices to be like people from the club and someone was silver and <laughs> someone was Jimmy Stewart. And it was all about the club closing. Wow. And it's okay. one of these days, John, I I'll see if I can 
find it and send it to you. Uh, it is so great. And then like Mark Cohn and I, um, Mark Cohn wrote an incredible song. It was a Christmas love song. Ooh. And we, we made a, a music video and mm. I played his girlfriend in it. And I mean, it was like really, really great, great stuff. Yeah. I mean, this song, this song is so evergreen. I mean, it could, you could, you could listen to the song today. It's so good. Can you find it anywhere? Um, you know, he, he posted it a while ago. I know that I had posted it, I think on my Facebook page, if I find it, I'll, I'll Sweet. send it to you. It's really, really good. Oh, um, awesome. so those were the kind of things that we were doing back then right. that, you know, nobody except yeah. our friends saw. I remember seeing not too long ago, maybe like, God, it must've been when he passed away, but Kevin Meany was outside, uh, one of the clubs in Boston and it's a brick of a fucking can't whatever this whatever the guy is falling around but he's, he's just he's talking to people online and in this i think he was doing like a man on the street thing or whatever it was and uh -huh. it's so like you know like vhs type choppy or whatever but so fucking funny and i was like that's the equivalent of doing tiktok or whatever the hell else people have going oh, on oh absolutely and well mike mike rowe the writer who was oh love mike rowe yeah he we had him on he was oh, oh his book his book is great oh, his book is so good so that's good. A, that's a great comedy like guide but like that's a great book so great yeah um but he did this thing where he uh, was in front of the Guggenheim Museum so he was uh, crazy Guggenheim in front of the Guggenheim <laughs> 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 it was just so silly but it was so funny oh um, my god anyway but he Mike Mike really was uh, he was the keeper because not many people had video cameras um, right. And Mike, yeah. you know, he has quite a library of stuff um, from, you know, back in the kitchen at the improv, just goofing around to, mm -hmm. um, and we did a play there. Did you, did you know about that? No. We did a play. It was a bunch of comedians. It was called Say Something Funny. We workshopped it in an acting class and Michael Patrick King was the dramaturge. <laughs> and uh, what we did was we picked, uh, so it was John Manfalati, Marty Rackham, me, this woman, Susan Jaffe, who waitressed there, who was wow. an actress. And then uh, Jerry Diner. Do you remember Jerry Diner? Yeah, yeah. Jerry was in it and a guy named Dean Edelson. Oh and we wrote little scenes of things that really happened to us um, during our stand-up careers. So it was like two guys in the back of the room, like watching someone on stage and someone's doing their act. Oh, and they're like talking about it. And I remember, you know, I dated Kenny Ober forever. So oh, wow. mm -hmm. Kenny and I, you know, we had broken up and gone back like a million times. And uh, and I, you know, did a scene about not being with him anymore. I mean, it was all very personal and, and but funny and poignant. And right. Silver, and this is a testament to Silver with her whole theater background. Mm -hmm. She let us do the play inside the club. Oh. So in different parts, like we did a scene in the bar and then we did a scene, you know, at a at table, you know, in the corner. Yeah. And um, so it was like people were living our lives with us inside the club. Wow. And then yeah. every comedian got uh, two minutes on stage uh, sprinkled in of the show That's doing nice. their, their actual act. And then we went we got uh, we got it got moved to off Broadway and it was just so wow. incredible because and that and, and actually when we were off broadway uh larry david and jerry were room it was like ruminating that they were going to be developing a show for jerry so they came to see our show because no one had done anything yeah. like what we were doing and they just right. kind of wanted to see what we were doing 
and they came and, you know, talked to us and, you know, actually were very complimentary, but um, yeah, it was really cool. So that was the kind of stuff that we were doing back, back in the day. That's um, awesome. That was That's great. Cool. Do you yeah. guys, you all, you and you all have this footage, right? It still exists. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. I hope you put it together. Like I would kill to watch any of that stuff that I feel like more and more of that, like, especially with Paul Provenza, Judd Apatow is doing it now. Michael Bonfiglio's got, uh, they they're doing the documentaries and stuff, but it seems to be like a really nice time for people to delve back into past history, bringing up videos, like really getting into people and doing that kind of stuff. Now, like, I don't know, comedy histories and documentaries seem to be like flourishing and I want more of it and not less of it. Well, in our documentary with silver, you know, we're going to, we're going to show a bunch of this stuff because nice. that, you know, cause we, we do talk about the fact, like when I ask comedians, what was different about the improv? Why did it stand? What, what stood it apart from all the other clubs? Mm-hmm. And yeah. a lot of comics say, you know, the fact that Silver Silver really let us get out of our comfort zone and do things that you didn't feel comfortable doing at other clubs. Right. Because Catch was yeah. Catch was like it was kind of like the quintessential showcase club where a lot of people were nervous to venture out because you never knew who was in the audience that could really do something for your career. Wow. The improv mm-hmm. had that too, mm-hmm. but catch was, it was, it was on a different level. Mm-hmm. The improv was worn in. It was the first club of its kind. It, you know, she never made any changes. It was, it was just like an old shoe, you know? <laughs> and, um, and the, you know, things were broken and she never wanted to fix anything. She just, Wanted the club to be what the club was, right. um, as close to what it was when it first started, you know. So yeah. she, she kept that, and I think a lot of comedians just—it uh, was just warm. It was yeah. just different. It was much different. I didn't get to experience any of that, but when I did start doing stand-up, the improv in New York was still around, and I used to do the um, the top room, and every now and again I would get to go down to the bottom one. But it still kind of had that feel where you could just do. I, I would go in every week. I would drive in from New Jersey. One of the guys that hosted the show there became a friend and we just get on and we could do whatever we wanted. But on the walls, there were still all the old newspaper clippings. Mm-hmm. So like there's like a young Paul Reiser on the wall and like all these other guys that are there. And I I have photos of them somewhere because mm-hmm. I was like just taking pictures. And then and then it, I didn't even realize it. But yeah, and then it shut down and became the Broadway Comedy Club. And then all that stuff was gone. So right. I don't know who got any of it, but um yeah it's all kind of gone do you guys have like a group chat or like because one of the things i think i love and i don't know i would love to see a timeline of events at some point somebody could put together but like you michael patrick king um you know and and like michael patrick king i remember seeing him do an interview with john stewart and he and john used to go out on the road together do stand up a couple times or whatever they're talking about it but like every one of you guys kind of branched off and you're all over show business i mean like every comedian like is over here doing a writing gig, producing, directing, kind of that kind of stuff. You guys ever like hang out and go like, can you fucking believe that we started on, you know, wherever. And like now we're like heavily involved in TV. Cause I don't know that that happens too much anymore, but it's interesting that you guys all kind of like. Found yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, we interviewed Michael uh, for the silver doc and then, um, you know, we, we were inseparable. It was me, Michael, um, John Manfalati and Marty, mostly, um, we were together all the time. Right. And, uh, you know, I was, I was always like the Shirley McLean, you know, hanging out with, with all the guys, you know? <laughs> and, um, and after I interviewed Michael, 
um, I said, he, he actually came over to me and he said, we have to have dinner with John and Marty. We got to do this because Marty doesn't do stand up at all anymore. He, he left show business, wow. um, teaches soccer. Um, he, he played soccer actually when we first wow. met him, he was like the college star anyway. Um, and I think he had a professional soccer career, um, before, um, before he did stand up full time anyway. So we all went out to dinner right? and, uh, and it was great. You know, I, Michael lived around the corner for me on the Upper West Side, you know, when he was, you know, very poor. He lived in a, like, basement apartment. Um, I had to co-sign his first credit card. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, my God. Wow. I know. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's a billionaire. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, we do. I mean, we kind of pinch ourselves. We, you know, we, we hang out together and, you know, look, we've been, we've been friends for 40 plus years. And it's like, wow. That's great. Yeah. yeah it's really so wanna, special. Because I know I said I would keep you for an hour, but I got a few more. Can you stay for a little bit longer? Sure. You, okay. you, this is a testament to to how much I like you and wanted oh. to do this because I'm a huge baseball fan. So I had to tape the game tonight, the World Series. Oh, shit. All right. Uh, okay. Oh, no, it's okay. I taped it. I taped oh, it. Oh, good, good. Okay. All right. I appreciate that, by the way. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's funny. I actually, oddly enough, Rita Runder was taping tennis or something like that. It was like a tennis case. Or she, no, she was missing playing tennis. And I was like, God, I keep dragging people away from their activities. Well, you know, I, yeah. I write I write baseball pieces. Oh, I write, nice. I write on a Metsmerized. It's a, it's a Mets site. I'm a huge Mets fan. It's a great name. Awesome. And uh, so, so, cool. so now that the World Series is going on, I write mm -hmm. recaps and I post them, and you know. Oh, so that's great. It's a big passion. Anyway, that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, can, talk, can you talk about the Osbournes for a little bit? Sure. From Ellen to the Osbournes, and sure, was, yeah. sure. You know, it's. I kind of look at it as I left Ellen, I went to the Osbournes, and then everything was in color. <laughs> <laughs> I was with the greatest people. Everybody appreciated me. Wow. Um, the Osbournes was 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 the most incredible experience I've ever had. And quite honestly, I've been chasing that high my entire career because wow. I've never had anything else that could get ever came close to it. It was um, just the most amazing group of people. And it was at a time when reality hadn't really, it, it was new. And yeah. um, there was nothing to compare it to. Um, and it was also what was very special about it is that it was producers who were independent contractors working with the network instead of what it morphed into where you, you have a middleman now. You have a production company that gets between you and the network. And it's more notes and more people, too many people in the kitchen. Um, you know, some people, uh, you know, you know, the network's not on the same page as the production company. And then you don't like what they're doing, but you can't really, you can only say so much because you're not high level or whatever. But it was so much freedom mm. creatively um, because reality what it became, unfortunately, in in a lot of instances, it became scripted. Yeah, turned into yeah. scripted reality. Yeah. It really did. And with, totally. with the Osbournes and even Newlyweds, which I did after, um, we never wrote anything for these guys. We right. never told them what to say. I never told – no one ever told Ozzy what Ozzy. to say <laughs> or the kids. <laughs> you, 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 you were a slave to the footage. Okay. We shot a ton of footage. They gave you the money to shoot a ton of footage and 
a lot of it, you know, I think Jeff Stilson at one point said for every 500 minutes, we used a minute, you know, wow. um, but whatever we shot, you had to use, you mm -hmm. had to make a show. Um, there was no going back and doing pickups. Um, you had to just use what you had. So the creativity factor was, um, like I said, it was very liberating mm -hmm. and you did it with, um, you did it with music. You did it with like, we had, uh, we had this, this, this one scene. It was so much fun to do. And I, I worked in post-production. Mm -hmm. So I worked with the editors putting the shows together, which is right. my favorite thing to do. So we had to, we wanted to shoot Ozzy. He and Sharon were going, uh, I think they were going to England and, uh, we couldn't get clearance to shoot at the airport. We couldn't get them in a plane. Mm -hmm. So we, they, they were in a, like a town car, but the way it looked in the inside, it looked like it was kind of a private plane. Huh. Okay. So um, the guy who was driving, I think it was his road manager or whatever. Um, we took it. We had we found an insert of a pilot like punching in like instruments, you know, uh -huh. to make it look like the plane, like he was in a plane. Uh -huh. And then we tilted the shot. So when the car drove off, we tilted it to make it look like it was starting to ascend. Oh my yeah. god! And it was a car. Yeah. So, you know, Ozzy used to get um, cuts of the show to look at, you know, and apparently when they brought it to him to look at, he was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you made the car into a plane and you, and you, you made Tony the pilot. You know, he was like, this is crazy. But they were the nicest people in the world. Uh, um, you know, the first season I was a segment producer, which meant that, um, and I never, I never went in the field if they were going anywhere. I was always at the house. Mm -hmm. So there were three segment producers. There was a, a early morning, there was an afternoon and then the night. So you would, you know, you would kind of like, you know, uh, overlap a little bit with the producer before you. And um, one of the people who, uh, who was working on the show, who was influential of me getting the job was Henriette Mantel. I don't know if you know Henriette. I, I don't. Yeah, I know a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So Henriette, um, she was, she was, I think the afternoon and I came at night. Okay. And okay. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of like see the action of what's going on. And uh, your job as a segment producer was to kind of, you know, talk to the director and say, you know, wh whatever you saw, like, cause you knew, cause you were working in post-production, you, you knew what you wanted to do with what they were shooting. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, there were certain things that you saw that maybe they wouldn't see. Okay. So this one episode Jack was reunited with the bulldog Lola, who he was in love with. And, and, and Lola was away for, I don't know, a week or whatever. And mm -hmm. that night they were being reunited. And it was, uh, it was at night and the lights were on in the pool. It was very romantic. And um, we said to the director, we want you to shoot it like he's being reunited with like his girlfriend, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the dog like jumped in the pool and then you see the lights and then we knew in edit we were going to have you'd see the point of view of he's going swimming towards the dog and then you see the dog swimming towards him and they were like <laughs> in a hug and whatever so it was just they let us do whatever we wanted wow and i don't know i never worked on a show where they let you do everything you wanted i mean right. they just trusted us and they saw what we were doing and they just said 
just do what you do. Yeah. It was definitely the most entertaining of all those reality shows that came out around then because you didn't get the vibe that anybody was like really shitty, like either. You know what I mean? Like the Osbournes were just incapable of that kind of quality about them. And it was fun. They were really cool. They were very gracious because we we were um, they call like video village where all the monitors are and everything. Mm -hmm. um, they were there was a room set up for the segment producers to hang out. Right. So a lot of times during the night, especially the kids were out, Ozzy and Sharon were getting ready to go to bed. Um, but you had to stay there because you didn't know what was going to happen. Maybe when the kids came home, there was going to be some content that you could shoot. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times we stayed there till like three o'clock in the morning and Sharon would always come down with like movies that she had, you know, she, you know, she from the producers guild or whatever. So mm -hmm. we would watch first run movies and she would oh. bring food in and we would, you know, we could drink and, you know, we go out and smoke pot. I mean, it was like, <laughs> it yeah. was, I mean, we would smoke pot while we were editing, you know, oh. like Henriette and I would go out and smoke pot and then we'd come back in and edit with the editors. I mean, it yeah. was, uh, it was a, a really, really different, different time. Oh, that's phenomenal. Do you, do you ever see them? Have you seen them since? I don't see the Osbournes. I mean, I actually saw Kelly some years ago because I wrote on a Joan Rivers tribute, uh, special oh, and nice. she was there um but but i'm friends with a lot of people from mtv from oh, from those awesome. days we, we all still and and i did a lot of jobs with uh with with a lot of these people you know we that's went on incredible. to do other things together and uh i mean they're it's family it's kind of like how i am with my comedian friends you know nice these are oh. these are the osborne people that i will always be friends with oh that's great yeah and that's a testament to you i feel like right for being able to like you take to people and then they're part of your journey and you don't just like leave them behind at that segment. Like, you know, those people travel with you. You know, it's, it's such a crazy thing because I, you know, you'll appreciate this. <laughs> you know, when I see people that are in films together or in TV series together, you know, there's such an intimacy, you know, um, yeah. I had like, a, there was a student film that I auditioned for when I was doing stand up, and there was a comedian named Jack Simmons. I don't know if you knew who Jack was. I know. Okay. Who, yeah. I've, okay. Yeah. So Jack, I mean, I had no attraction and, and he was, a, it was not a bad looking guy, but I was not mm -hmm. attracted to Jack at all. Right. And the scene that I had with him, I had to make out with him in the scene. And after I made out with him, it was like, oh my God, Jack Simmons, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I had a, like, I think I dreamt about him that night, you know, I was like, oh my God. And I was thinking to myself, I mean, that was just an audition. Right. Like, how do people that are in shows together that are intimate, not like, not like fuck all the time, right? you know, or like leave their husbands or wives, you know, or whatever, you know, I, but I, I'm, I'm, look, it happens a lot that yeah. people, you know, have affairs or whatever, but sure. it's just that intimacy that you have in such a short period of time. So you can imagine, yeah. you know, how close you get with people, you know, with writing too, you know, you're in a writer's room and you're, you're there mm -hmm. for like 12 hours. Yeah. So if you're a dick and you're in the writer's room, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of yeah. people that may be better writers than you. Mm -hmm. But personality-wise, if they're n not fun to be around, they won't. They would rather have someone like me who may not be as great, mm -hmm. but I'm fun to be with. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And Absolutely. I could and I could still do the job. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So. 
Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, you know, and it's just being being on the road. Like how many times you're on the road? I I used to do a lot of USO shows, and mm-hmm. I we would go in a van and go from place to place. And wow. there was a comedian. I, I I'm not going to mention her name, but she was there before me, mm-hmm. and it was two guys, and they could not wait for for me to get there because I was replacing her on the next leg of the tour. Okay. <laughs> and they had this thing they were doing and it was a uh, van talk. It was just this stupid juvenile <laughs> game van talk. And it was like van talk and I help you. And they would just come up with scenarios. And <laughs> so she hated van talk and they couldn't believe that she hated van. Like how could you hate van? Talk, right, right. Yeah. So she was on the phone with her manager complaining about them in front of them. Oh my God. And then she actually said, and they're doing van talk. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it was like, Ma, Ma, they're doing van talking. So ridiculous. But, you know, you got to be able to hang. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Especially on those long road trips and stuff like that, too. That's why. I, uh, one of my best friends is a, a comedian we started together, Joanne Filan. Do you know Joanne? I don't. Oh, she's great. Uh, so we, we go out on the road together all the time. And I literally, like, it's to the point where I just don't really want to go with anybody. Like, I not only do, like, but like, we have such a fucking blast from like one of the first times was, um, I, I, this is how I knew she was going to be great too. Cause we've always been like friends and, and friendly. And we liked when we saw each other on shows. Cause you know, sometimes comedians don't talk to each other, but she and I would always be like, Hey, what's going on? Just like, <laughs> in two idiots. Um, but I had, uh, I was, I was headlining a, a college in Kentucky and, uh, and I was just like, like, Joanne, you want to go to Kentucky? And <laughs> I get to pick, I get to bring somebody with me. And, you know, for us, like, I look like how I look. And Joanne is uh, gay. She talks about being gay and married and all this stuff. And we don't, we just, I love traveling to Red States there. Because we're always like, you keep the car running because we're going to die. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> like, but we have, we, I mean, half the, we, oh, dude, one time she almost killed us. It was so great, though. Like, I don't even care if we died. Uh, we were driving to a gig. <laughs> And she, I couldn't even tell what was going on either, but there was like some weird fork in the road. And the next thing we knew we were on the wrong side of the bridge and just going. <laughs> and, and like, I saw headlights and she saw headlights and we both just went, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and she did this like immediate, like, Fuck! and did this crazy ass <laughs> K turn on the bridge, like over water and just got us around. We didn't even know how to happen, but the takeaway was like, well, at the very least, we wouldn't have had to do the gig. I mean, that couldn't have been that. <laughs> so we miss Virginia. Who gives a shit? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. there, there's nothing better than being on the road with comedians that you just have a great time with. Yeah. Like, I'll just tell you this quick one. Kathy Ladman and I, we used to do stand-up a lot together. And, mm-hmm. um, and uh, very rarely would they have there was a time where they would have more than one woman on the show. Right. You know, you were always the token woman, Mm -hmm. but Bud Friedman actually was, was very, very cool. And used to let Kathy Ladman and Carol Liefer and I do shows at the improv at the, um, at Harris in in Vegas. Mm -hmm. So we used to do that all the time. So anyway, so Kathy and I get this gig, I get a gig and I guess I got Kathy to, to do it with me. And it's Mm -hmm. in van, it's in Whistler. Um, so we're at this ski resort and it's beautiful and it's great. And uh, I get hurt on the slopes and I, I, I'm on crutches and they, th- oh. and the audience thinks that I'm like, it's like a prop. 
And I'm like, <laughs> no, I had to get an MRI today and I tore like cartilage or whatever, you know? Oh my God. So Kathy and I, you know, we do our show and I guess like a couple of, like a week later or something, we get um, uh, something, a, a letter sent to us from the person who booked us, who loved us by the mm -hmm. way. But it was a letter from uh, someone who had come to our show who didn't like our show, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Kathy was an English teacher before she was a comedian. So we're reading the letter and we took a red pen and graded all the grammar and the misspelling and everything. And that's, that's what we did. We just graded her letter. Didn't say anything about the letter or anything and then mailed it back to her. Oh my God. That's so great. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fucking beautiful. Yeah. So. That is amazing. She's great. She's great. Um, and then, so did you go from the Osborne straight to Sex in the City? I uh, went to from the Osborns. I did Newlyweds, and then no, it was kind of uh, no. And then and then I did yeah, I did Sex in the City, mm -hmm. and then after Sex in the City, uh, no, I did what do I do? It's the, the order is just so crazy. I'm trying to think. I I think it was the other way around. I okay. had done I had done Sex in the City prior to the Osbournes. Wow! So I, oh, wow. Went from, okay. I went from Brotherly Love to uh, Sex in the City. Okay. And then after Sex in the City, I was with a writing partner for in both of those shows. We split up, and I came to New York because um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm a big sports fan. So right. I um, used to go on uh, this guy's uh, sports show. He had a like a, a local sports show, but he had a radio show too with a partner. And I used to come on as um, they call me Crazy Sue Kalinsky. I just used to come <laughs> on and, and used to come on and do like this. It's such a long story, but I used to come on and do this kind of kooky trivia game. Right. Anyway, so he got a call from WNEW to do morning radio, oh. and um, they wanted to pair him up with Jimmy Kimmel, and Jimmy didn't didn't want to do it. Uh -huh. So he thought, well, who else can I get? And he loved me. And I had a lot of fun on the show and I was a comedian and he pitched me to them and they said, uh, okay. So they just gave me the gig. I didn't wow. even have to audition for it, but they came to see me at Caroline's. I happened to get a couple of nights at Caroline's when I came in to meet them. And, you know, thank God it was like, cause they said, we want you on the show. And it was an unbelievable night. And they were like, yes, yes, yes. So I did morning radio on WNEW for like a year and a half. And then I, I came back to LA and that's when I started getting into reality TV. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, I don't want to touch on your podcast too, because I do like your podcast and now you've been doing it. Um, what, what was the thing? To, did you start it like just as shy of doing documentaries or because of it? Because it, it kind of like almost seems like it goes hand in hand because like your interviewing skills kind of come in handy and you can kind of picture that whole you know world around you is that what was the impetus to do one well the guy that i did the morning radio show with um he i do my podcast with him oh, and, oh okay and that was like 20 years ago so he called me up some years ago and said uh you know I, i'd really like to do a podcast and i'd like to do kind of what we did on wnew but as a podcast Nice. And uh, I said, ah, that's great. I mean, we had great chemistry and, you know, he's a good friend of mine. And we kind of had, you know, we had kind of had, you know, some a, a period where we weren't really hanging out and talking to each other too much. Um, and he just got in touch with me and said, would you like to do that? And I said, absolutely. Hmm. And we've been doing it ever since. So 
it's uh it's great you know we it's no politics every now and then some politics may creep in but yeah. you know it's comedians it's writers it's actors um that's great um i'd love to have you on the show oh i'd love to do it yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. that'd be yeah. a blast yeah and it's you know it's uh no, we, you know, we, we, you know, like you, I mean, you've had, you know, incredible guests and we get incredible guests and it's, it's, I, I just love it. It's, uh, yeah. it's, uh, and that, and I think that's what I loved about radio so much. It was, uh, it was kind of like stand up without, you know, having to look at people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. Stand up without having to look at people. Um, I've got to, one, I want to thank you for staying on for a little bit longer and I've got to ask you the last three questions that I sure. ask every guest. So. Absolutely. Let me just oh, get oh, in. Yeah, uh, Jackie gone. has a question from sure. the audience, so I just wanted to bring it up. Uh, Jackie had asked, she was wondering if you had any anecdotes about Jessica Simpson. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jessica was, uh, she was a very interesting uh, animal, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> um, you know, it was, uh, you know, I didn't really get to know Jessica that well because I didn't work in the field. I basically just, um, I worked in post. But I tell you what, when, when I knew that this was going to be, we, all the, all the seg, all the producers at, at, at that point, there were two shows that were up for grabs. It was newlyweds and it was a show called rich girls with Tommy Hilfiger's daughter and her best friend. Oh my God, I remember and that. we could decide what show do you want to do? <laughs> and I picked newlyweds cause I thought, well, flying the wall and new marriage, you know, this couple, mm -hmm. you know, uh, they're you know, polar opposites and, you know, let's, you know, and when I started to look at footage and the, uh, is it tuna or fish? Is it chicken or fish hmm. came up? Cause it was, um, she called it, uh, what'd she call it? Um, chicken by the sea, yeah, no, chicken, chicken, chicken by the sea or something. And, yeah, she, yeah. and she, and she didn't know exactly what it was. Um, we all just went, uh, oh my God, this is going to be a fun ride. <laughs> <laughs> and it ended up being a really, really fun ride. Wow. Um, so um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really have much to say about Jessica. I mean, you know, she was young and, and uh, you know, her. The, the, what, what I can share actually was that um, we, we had we kind of had some issues with her father because her father, he kind of didn't get what we were doing, you know, okay. and yeah. he had a producer credit, you know, cause they kind of gave him a producer credit, which they usually do. Mm -hmm. And, um, he never got some of like the jokes, like we did cold opens, you know, like the, sure. for most people know, you know, in the beginning of a show, you do like a couple of a minute or two and, and then you go into the show. So yeah. we had a cold open where she talked about how, uh, she, she doesn't, she didn't brush her teeth or something like that. And, 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 and uh, like well what do you do and she says i eat breakfast you know or something like that right <laughs> and you know if her father had any brains he would know that well maybe he can get her like a a toothpaste uh, she could be a spokesperson for for a toothpaste because sure. now she does brush her teeth in the morning you know or something like that you know <laughs> yeah. and has breakfast after right so um so he would have notes sometimes and his notes were you know just not getting stuff Mm. So, um, and then, you know, so, so one, one day, um, they were, she and Nick, um, uh, recorded a song together. And, um, when we were looking at the footage, cause we were, you know, gonna put it together. Um, we, <laughs> we, we, every time, um, 
you know, everybody was kind of uh, in the room, like listening to the playback and like bopping to the music. But every time we cut to him just to kind of get him back, Mm-hmm. And he totally didn't get it because he didn't have a problem with it because he didn't get it. Right. He, he was never like the beat. He was always off with the beat. Like everybody else was like going like this and, and he was like all jerky. We did that on purpose in the editing to make him look terrible. <laughs> and he never had a problem with that, mm-hmm. you know, because he didn't get it. Right. Um, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, that, it, it was a fun show. It was it was it was much different than the Osbournes because they. The Osbournes, they were like, you could shoot us anywhere. I, you know, Sharon would come down from, uh, from, you know, her bedroom. Her hair would be in five different directions. Um, you could see them in their worst state, and yeah. they never cared. The awesome. newlyweds were, they were a little more guarded. Right, right. You know? um, yeah. So it was, it was a little different. I wonder why that is. I wonder if it was because they were newer to like they were younger and newer to fame, whereas Ozzy had been through it. Yeah, but I also think they were a different family. Mm-hmm. They were just different. Like someone was telling me, um, do you remember uh, Liza Minnelli had a very short-lived show and she had just married um, David Guest, whatever his name yeah. was. Yeah. And I, I just remember this was actually something that I said in my act. Because someone said, I think he's gay, you know, her husband. Mm-hmm. And I said, think he's gay. He met her at a Liza Minnelli concert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gold. Anyway, so I had heard, because I knew someone who worked on the show. And once the talent gets control of the show and dictates mm. what you're going to shoot and what you're not going to shoot, you will yeah. have a horrible show. Right. Because if they're not going to peel back and let you in, because that's why people want to watch the show. Yeah. And especially with the Osbournes, because we didn't nothing but let them just be, they were very, very comfortable. Mm -hmm. They were very, very comfortable. Nick and Jessica, like I said, a lot more guarded. Like they didn't let us, I think they let us in their bedroom once and it was because they were packing to go on vacation and we needed we needed that transition. We needed yeah. that footage. But, yeah. like, we never shot them in bed together or, you know, nothing. Jeez. No. Wow. Yeah, what so, a bummer. Yeah, yeah. But but it but it was a really, really fun show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, man, I, I forgot. Like, she didn't she date Dane Cook for a bit, too, or something like that? Or was that, like, a rumor? I don't even know. But I remember, like... I think she did. Right? And I think something. she had a fling with Johnny Knoxville. Oh my God. Yes. That I do remember. Because yeah. she worked on um what was the re- the remake of um Yep. Dukes of Hazard. Dukes, yeah, that was yes. it. Yes. Holy yeah. shit. Well, yeah. I'll I'll tell I'll tell you kind of a cool story. So oh, so she uh she was away doing this was she doing a film? I don't know if she was doing the film or she was on the road and and Nick, you know, Nick was a you know, he was a blue collar guy, you know, nice guy very down to earth. Um, and he and his brother, and if you remember the show, they were always like, uh, doing stuff because, yeah. you know, there was, Nick had this reputation that he was very cheap. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they had to build something or, you know, they never wanted to hire anybody, they would, you know, move things themselves. So Nick did a lot of work in the house right. before when she was away. So, um, and he he did like he did some decorating, put pictures up and whatever. So she comes home and and she's not very appreciative. And and 
I mean, he really was, you know, took a lot of pride in the fact that he did all this and she didn't even yeah. like really care kind right. of, and, and it really hurt him. And, and, um, and he says to her, uh, so they go outside and they're having a beer. They're sitting out in the backyard and he tells her that she's a brat. And, and she says, what do you mean? You know? And he's like, and, and he really kind of called her on it a little bit. And she was like, Oh, you know, and she, she kind of like apologizing and she says, well, I'll, uh, I'll make it up to you um, in, in the bedroom, basically. You know? <laughs> uh -huh. And, and then he looked at her and he said, I want to raise. <laughs> we're watching this and we're thinking, what's a raise? Like, what doesn't she do? Like, does, does he want a blowjob? I mean, is right, she right, not right. blowjobs? Like, what is a raise in the bedroom? <laughs> but it was one of those moments. It was really scenes from a marriage. I mean, the whole show was, mm -hmm. but that moment was really scenes from a marriage. Right. Where you yeah. really saw that you kind of saw that the foundation was cracking a little bit in their relationship. Wow. And, uh, you know, they were apart a lot, you know, and they were on TV. I mean, I think people who sign on to do reality, I don't think that, especially back then, maybe they're more savvy now, but mm -hmm. back then, I just don't think they realize how invasive it is. And, yeah. you know, like I said, in order to do it right, you have to let people in. Yeah. And they're going to see you in ways that you may not be comfortable with, but you have to be comfortable with that. Yeah. And, um, and a lot of marriages, a lot of couples broke up, you right. know, a lot of these reality show marriages just didn't make it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he was seven years older than her. Um, you know, he probably wanted kids sooner than she did. She was, you know, young and she, you know, it was like, it was about all about her career and her career and her career. Sure. And I think he, he was, he was, you know, his career was important to him, but I think, you know, he probably wanted to start a family and, you know, and I, I don't, and I think it was pretty public after a while that I don't think his father, her father really kind of, you know, wanted that for her, you know, to be sure. with someone older and, you know, whatever. And yeah. so, you know, it, it, it was hard. It was hard yeah. for them, you know? Um, so, and look, you know, a lot of people thought she was, you know, oh, she's so stupid and whatever. And like, she became like, you know, a, a great businesswoman and she started a line of clothes yeah. and a whole bunch of stuff yeah. and she became an entrepreneur and, and, um, you know, so she did pretty good. Oh yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I know. I can't imagine having to go through that, uh, you know, that kind of public thing while you're trying to make a relationship work. I can't even fucking make one work when I'm on the road oh. like, and, and nobody's watching, you know? Well, you know, I worked with a guy who was a, a director and a producer and his girlfriend at the time worked as, as an esthetician and she, you know, someone wanted to do a reality show about her business mm -hmm. and she came home and said to him, yeah, so I really want to do it. And, you know, I want you to be in it. And he was like, Oh, there's no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I do. Right. I'm not, yeah. in, I'm not going to be in this with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh you know, wow. yeah. we'll, we'll last a week and we yeah, won't be death. together. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they last more on the cover of like us weekly than they do in real life when they're on their, <laughs> their relationship. Like I think we've appeared more times on this rag magazine than, uh, Mm, I, I could never do it. No, I, mean I could either. never do it. That would be fucking nerve wracking as it is. I'd never be able to be myself. It's just weird. It is. I, I don't know, man. I feel like I actually, I tried out, for, I went to the audition for Big Brother and they were going to take me because he was like, oh, he's like, you have abs? I'm like, no. And I was in great shape at the time. I'm like, he's like, get abs. 
He's like, and I want you to come back and do like I had like that next interview level. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be on a cru- I'm supposed to be on a cruise. He's like, well, you want to be on the show? Or you want to be on a cruise? It's going to be it's your call. Right. And uh, I'm like, uh, and at the time I chose the cruise. Right. Because I had another friend that was in the industry and they're like, you're going to you're going to give up your whole life and be in this house that tapes you 24 seven. And right. I have multiple businesses. I was like, you know what? And then the cruise ended up to my marriage. So I'm married to the girl I went on the cruise with. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's okay. great. Yeah, you made the right choice. Part yeah. of me was like, I, I think I could have done it, though. I feel like. And the funny part was I went to the audition. How much time did you have to get the abs? So, he gave me like, I think he gave me two months. Before. What was this like? Oh, I was like Evelyn Wood abs. Like, was it that quick? He, legitimately where he was like, lift up your shirt. <laughs> and I was like, go, and I lifted up my shirt. And, he, and he's like, all right. He's like, you have two months. You need to have abs. Do whatever, do whatever it takes. Because like that was because they had months. certain like types that they needed to fill. So he saw me as like this one certain guy that was supposed to be placed into that house. And then I didn't even go to the thing for me. I went because somebody else wanted to go audition. And they didn't get like the callback interview. Like they were just like, Meh, whatever. Like so it's a cattle call. There's a million people walking through the place. It was wow. interesting. But I, I yeah, might have done it. Yeah, you know, it's like just because I work behind the scenes, so I know what they do yeah. and how they manipulate and uh, how yeah. they, you know, I, you know, I worked on a show where, and it was real. I mean, it really was real. This woman had a relationship with this guy, and um, he wasn't the most um, exciting character, mm-hmm. but it really was her boyfriend, and she uh, invited him to her house, and she made dinner for him, and. The dinner wasn't really that exciting or whatever. And, you know, we, we gave, gave the, uh, the production company or the network a cut. And they were like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, we, we, we don't like this. Um, they <laughs> wanted us to completely re-edit it to make it look like she was breaking up with him. Oh, that's so fucked. But it wasn't shot like that because she wasn't breaking up right. with him. Right. So yeah. we had to go through like every single frame to find like if there was a t- moment where she was like, you know, maybe like yeah. made a gesture that was like not so nice. Right. And, 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 and just manipulate the footage so much to make it a complete 180 from what it was. Wow. And, you know, they, they pick people who they want to play a certain part, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, these, there was a group of women in this, in this show. And, um, they were all, uh, they, they didn't really know each other that well, but it was under the guise that they had been friends for like 10 years. Okay. And they had their annual like uh, weekend retreat that they would go somewhere and stay at like a lodge or whatever. Yeah. And during the shooting of it, they were all kind of talking intimately. And one of them talked about that she had had an abortion. And all the women went, oh, like they didn't know. Yeah. And I, I was like, they don't, they've been friends for 10 years. <laughs> of course, of course they know. We right. had to tell them, you, you have to, you have to know. Yeah, you can't yeah. act like you don't know. And I said, yeah. I said, look, as women, I can walk into a public bathroom, strike up a conversation with a strange woman, and within five minutes, I can know the history of how she lost her virginity. <laughs> That's yeah. how women are. Yeah. You know, yes. we know things about each, uh, each other and mm-hmm. we know things about each other that are really intimate 
and we don't even know the people that that well. Right. Yeah. Ten years. So, you know, that's when, you know, I kind of started to sour a little bit with with what I was doing because it was just such bullshit. Right. Yeah. And um, it, it just, you know, they wanted people to fight all the time. And it was like they don't even know each other. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. some of the women just met before they got the gig. Right. And they wanted them to hate each other and talk shit about each other. And it's like and some of them were like. We really don't feel comfortable because, you know, we don't really know them. But right. it's like, well, you know, we I kind of own you, you yeah. know, you know, you signed on to do this show. Right. And you don't you don't get like um, inside information of where we're going with it. So wow. you kind of have to play along. Yeah. Yeah. And you have no control over who you are. No. Which is crazy. Right. And, what, and what they do with the footage. Right. Like yeah. one one woman on 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 this particular show, same show, was having a private conversation with a producer, and the camera was just rolling. No, shouldn't have, shouldn't have been. Wow. She thought she was having a private conversation, and we used some of that footage because she wouldn't give up what we needed for her to give up when the cameras were on her, and she knew. And wow. we just happened; the cameraman just happened to use what could have been her talking about what we needed her to talk about. Wow. wow. And you that's don't know. You don't know. And that contract gives them everything. Any minute that it's on, it's theirs then. One of my friends now is on a reality show called The Circle. I'm going to have to ask him what kind of shit they did. Because I didn't watch it. Not that he... Uh, sorry, buddy. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> well, he was, well he was a friend. Yeah. <laughs> 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 just said that out loud. Um, but uh, my my other friends watch it; they fill me in. Um, but he's but I'm wondering if it's because it's on Netflix and it's called The Circle or whatever. And it's kind of I've seen clips and shit of it. Uh, trying to save my ass, uh, I've seen some clips. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it is interesting. Now I got to ask him. Uh, he's gonna be like, "Why the sudden interest?" I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> just I was just curious. rewatching the season. I just, yeah, I just, yeah, right, right. Totally hooked, and I'm noticing some things. <laughs> wonder if he meant to say that or you know but now he's dating somebody from the show and i'm like is oh this really season three set up like what's going on <laughs> now i'm just gonna be like fake on all this <laughs> fake guy oh well I, you know friends of mine well friends and people i know you know they would say things to me and i said look you know if you ask me questions i'm gonna completely burst your bubble right because yeah. a lot of you know a lot of what you're seeing with a, with the shows that I did after the Osbournes and Newlyweds, mm -hmm. so much of it was was just complete bullshit. Oh god, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Also, like just in celebrity life in general, if I was a celebrity, I would legitimately just kind of like, I, I, why wouldn't I go out with somebody who's like whatever? Be like, hey, do you want to fuck around and really screw up the tabloids and say that? I would do that. I would just be fun. Like, how do you? How are they not doing it? Like, I'm assuming, like, you know, hey, you want to hold hands? They'll go nuts, you know. And it's like, <laughs> you know, I would be right. my whole thing just to keep right. myself entertained. Right, right, right. Like, oh. you know, you make out with some actor just just yeah. as a goof, and then everybody's like, oh, god, I saw that. Making Absolutely. out and yeah. and uh, and they're married and you know I remember when I was dating Kenny Ober um, we were very good friends with um, uh, Tom Candiotti and his wife so we used to go to mm -hmm. a lot of all the Dodger home games and we used to sit with Donna mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, we the the Kenny happened to be on TV with Donna and uh, and but they didn't show me I was sitting mm -hmm. next to him on the other side 
So all these people are like, oh God, who's Kenny with it? Oh God, they showed Kenny, you know, with this woman. I was like, it's the pitcher's wife. And I was sitting <laughs> next to him on the other side. You know? Oh my yeah. God, that's so great. Uh, hilarious. It's so crazy. Even like, I feel like celebrity life though, now at this point, PR, like their PR agents and their teams control the narrative of what they want you. To. I, can't, I, I, won't, oh, yeah. I can't say who, like the party I did, but I do a lot of like celebrity events. Mm-hmm. And one of them, like, I'm there physically, like, taking pictures of stuff. But you're not allowed to release any pictures, so nothing can go on social media. And then two weeks later, the same room, everything that I had done and created, was said to be in an entirely different state, an entirely different type of event. Ooh. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, this is amazing that it's manipulated to that level that, like, reality doesn't even count. Like, it doesn't matter. It's what they wanted to portray. So it's Now I'm going to say I was in London in that photo. Too good. In London. <laughs> but yeah. Halloween. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I worked on that show, Two Corys, and it, it was supposed to be shot in California, and it yeah. was shot in Vancouver. Wow. Wow. And Corey was living in a house with his wife that he didn't own. Right. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. And I remember Corey Haim, you know, came into the house and and he was like wow this is you know man look at you he's like you're doing really well and, and he lived in like some shit house in van nuys you know <laughs> but, but he had to you know and i felt bad for Corey Haim because he had to um because he had to you know play the part that his buddy right. was you know really super super successful living in this the house was gorgeous right you know yeah. um and he had to just you know go along I, I could never, even if I was an actor for doing that kind of stuff or whatever the hell. I mean, maybe I guess if I needed the money, I don't know. But I don't. I feel like I'm not even good enough an actor to, to fucking pretend I'm doing it for the script. Like, there's no like. So, so if somebody was like, "Oh, you got to pretend," I'm like, I, I don't know if I could do it. I would be too like. I you would just see it on my face. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. But I still think Corey Haim lives in that house. Uh, not Corey. Corey Feldman lives in the house from the Burbs. So oh, yeah, kind of right. to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, he still lives in that cul-de-sac and <laughs> Rick Common and uh, uh, Bruce Dern are there. And <laughs> I just watched that for Halloween. Like, I love that movie so much. Uh, have you ever seen? You've seen that movie, right? You know, no, no, I never did. Oh, it is. Wow. Please check it out. It is okay. literally one of my. It's not it's not a, an overly great film, but it's not a bad film either. And it's got okay. a lot of charm to it. So it's really. But yeah, okay. it's uh, it's one of those. And Bruce Dern. Come on. He's I fucking, know Bruce Dern. Oh, yeah, the, so the guy s- steals the whole fucking movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Let me ask you the three questions that we ask every guest. And I've. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. So first question is um, what, I forgot my first question. If you go back in time <laughs> and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself to help you today? Don't let fear rule you. Ooh, Good I like nice. that one. Was that is, is that in relation to performing or no? Just being fearful to doing things, you know, like not trusting your instincts sometimes, you know. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just, just don't. Just, I hate yeah. to say, just do it because it's not such a stupid <laughs> thing to say. But if you, feel, you know, I mean, there, there, there were definitely times in my life where um, I didn't act on my instincts, and I wish I would have. Okay. You know, gotcha. Uh, second question is what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? What, what, what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? Um, my relationship with Ken Oprah. 
<laughs> Although I love Ken so much, but that was a that that was something that had to end. And mm. I, I loved him and I loved him so much. And he became a very good friend. And oh. sadly he's not here anymore. But right. that relationship had to end because that got me to the person I'm with now, my husband, who I actually know since junior high school. So that wow. ending that relationship took me to Tom. Ah, oh, nice. Happy yeah. ending. Very yeah. nice. Um, and, and the there last... has been some happy endings there, but you know. <laughs> uh... <laughs> That's extra, you guys have to pay for. Uh, you can join our Patreon. <laughs> oh, I get a piece of that. Oh, okay, yeah. There we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Royalties abound. Fine. Um, <laughs> we just got to get your husband to sign something. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll drug him. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the behind the scenes footage is him passed out but you've got his hand in a pen <laughs> oh god i love it uh last question is uh ties into the show so if this was a genuine dystopia more so than it is now you could either have a government collapse alien zombies a comet heading toward the earth or climate change but you wake up and you find out it's everybody's last day on earth what would be your epic death how would you want to go out and what's happening zombies aliens climate what's, what's going on Oh my God. Wow. It's all so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it could be fun. It could be good. You it don't could know. Be good. It's your uh, own choice. With, yeah. What's with, but those are the choices. It has to be one of those. Well, right? Or it could be anything. anything. I just threw out anything. some choice. Yeah. Anything you want to be happening. How, could be does, happening, it, how, how do you... does it end for me? Yeah. You know, honestly, <laughs> in my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to end in my sleep. Oh, wow. All right. I don't right. want to go out in any kind of blaze of glory. Okay. Okay. I just want to just not wake up. My God. If you can, man, that's good. Oh, wait. So you want to sleep through the whole day? Oh, oh, what am I doing during the day? You're saying yeah, before yeah. I die? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's like your, la like, you know, like, you know, it's the last. Oh, oh, my last great day? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Um, I would definitely smoke cigarettes. Because <laughs> I quit a long time ago, and I sometimes miss it. Um, I would, uh, I would definitely be shooting a lot of pool. Ooh, okay. Um, I would be going to a, a baseball game and oh. getting um, field field seats. Okay. Nice. Oh yeah, nice. Um, and what else? Um, and maybe, um, maybe eating lobster. Oh, very nice. Okay, <laughs> I think I have the image because we, we have an artist draw everybody's last moment, like what they say they want to do doing. I think I'm going to have you with a lobster bib and a cigarette in your mouth <laughs> on home plate with a bat and a comet heading to like you're going to pitch the lat. That's oh, what I'm that's have. great. That's what I'm going to set up. That's I'll great. That. That cool. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. I love talking to you. I'm so glad you got to come on. Oh, it was my pleasure. And when Carol, you know, had emailed me and asked me if I wanted to do your show, I, I have to tell you, you know, I, 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 I went online and, and I watched some of your show and I saw a lot of the guests that you had on and, and uh, I was very flattered that you wanted me. So thank oh, you. Thank you. No, I Thank appreciate you. that. It was beyond the nice. pleasure having you with us. Absolutely. And Thanks so many so great stories. Definitely. We definitely got to have you come back for yeah, sure. Yeah, we're going to have you come back on. And uh, we do an MS benefit in March if you want to come back on for then, too. That'd be kind of cool. We do like oh, a 24-hour. Oh, absolutely. Hour. Absolutely. I have, you know, I have six degrees of M MS. You know, so I would definitely, definitely Sweet. do that. And uh, and the next time I come to New York, we, we have to go out. Oh, out. yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I'm absolutely up for that. 
Great. For sure. Awesome. Great talking to you. Right. Great so talking much. to you. Hang out Great. backstage. Peace. Peace. Bye. 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 Dystopia tonight.